Welcome to Translation Confidential. This is Peter Argandiso and Patrick Daly. And for this episode, we will be talking about why workflow matters. Um, translation workflow is really an important topic and the devil is in the detail. So we're going to cover all of that today. But why don't we get started with a new story? Of course, the Inc. 5000 list just came out and we're on the heels of um, uh, the announcement of the uh, RWS and SDL uh, merger, which will create the, the world's largest translation company at a billion dollars in sales. So interesting times for sure. Lots of consolidation. And uh, just to chat a little bit about the Inc. 5000 list, Inc. is, of course, a magazine called Incorporated Inc. Inc. period. And every year they put out a list of the 5000 fastest growing companies in the U.S., and uh, interestingly enough, there were six U.S. language service providers named. And to be considered for the list, companies um, had to have been founded and generating at least $100,000 in revenue by March 31st of 2016 and with a minimum revenue of $2 million in 2019. So um, the list uh, is based on historical sales. And the list uh, doesn't really feature a separate category for language service providers, uh, of the six language service providers that were listed, interestingly enough, four were under business products and services, while the remaining two were under telecommunications and software, because depending, of course, on how they set up their service, uh, that's how they were categorized. Leading them, the LSPs in the 2020 edition, um, CQ uh, Fluency jumped several hundred spots this year to rank number 3,407 with 110% growth. And it included on the list, uh, they've been on the list since 2014. So congratulations to them. Uh, the number of LSPs, by the way, did fall this year. So uh, I would imagine that could be, um, I, I would imagine that could be, uh, I'm not sure if that's COVID related or when the deadlines were, but the, the number did fall. So interesting to note. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started with workflow? As we mentioned, um, you know, it is really an important factor to understand the spec of your job. So you need to understand what sort of work the translation vendor is doing for you. In order to do that, understanding the steps of the workflow so you can compare apples to apples are really important. So, Patrick, why don't you walk us through the steps of a typical project? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can start with a broad overview. And if there's any of those steps that you want to drill down on, we can talk about those kind of after the summary. Um, so I'm the going first, to interrupt you after every step. Yeah, right. Uh, so the first step is typically project prep. That is where the project manager will look at the files that you've sent us uh, for translation, look for any things that we need to do to optimize your files for translation, uh, whether that's parsing out um, coding, if there's kind of XML or HTML in that file, um, basically how we can get your file to only show us the words that are needed for translation. Uh, the next step would be to apply any glossaries or translation memories. Uh, so what we would do in that step is basically take your file, run it against everything we've translated for you previously, whether that's your memory or your glossary, and then propagate that with any matches. So if any sentences are exactly the same, we'll pick those up and you'll see discounts for that. Uh, the next step would be approving the quote, and then we get started on translation. So that's where your human translator takes the first uh, crack at the text, translating into their native language. Uh, the next step would be for editing, which is where 
a linguist with similar or equal qualifications to the translator takes a pass at it. They're looking for consistency, any grammar issues. Um, so obviously a little bit lighter of a touch on that one with the editor. They're not translating from scratch. The translation should be pretty good. They're kind of just putting that polish on it. Uh, the next step, um, if necessary, would be any formatting. So depending on the file or project type you send us, there may be any formatting or desktop publishing needed. Uh, for example, if it's an e-learning course, there's a lot more kind of in the background software type work that needs to be done in order to output that translated e-learning course. Um, and then the next step would be functional review or proofreading. That would be where the linguist takes a look at what we considered to be the almost ready final product. Um, so whether that's reviewing a, a PDF of a brochure, whether it's taking the course for that e or for that um, e-learning course that I mentioned. Um, so that it's the, the linguist taking a look at the project as if they are the end user. So they're going to look at it, see if anything looks uh, wrong to them. Then the final step is typically to um, then archive all of that content into your glossary, into your translation memory, um, so that when you send a new project, we can utilize all of that content. I absolutely did not want to interrupt you after every bullet, but I could have. <laughs> and I, I think it's important. You know, we should, Patrick, I think we would do our listeners uh, a favor to just talk about maybe what the biggest point is on each of these bullets. And I took some notes. And for project prep, I think that's really important because... Um, and, you know, feel free to add uh, anything that I might might miss on these. But for project prep, I think the least amount of friction you can provide uh, will only help you to reduce the scope or reduce the costs. And what does that mean? So if you have a brochure, find the source file, whether it's an InDesign or whether it's created in Canva or whether it's created in some other tool, make sure to have a source file that can be edited um, so that the translation can be overwritten. So whether it's Word, PowerPoint, you name it, XML, HTML. Because if you just send a URL or you just send a PDF, the very first thing Patrick's going to do is come back to you and ask, can I get the source file? Because with the source file now, you've reduced the friction, reduced the number of hours. The file doesn't need to be recreated. So right out of the gate, that's a spot where you can save some money. Right. And that's not to say that we can't work with those PDFs or URL or whatever it might be that you do provide. It's just, I think you need to have that understanding of if we don't have a source file, then we need to make one and that's going to take time and it's going to take budget. So, you know, we're not asking, you know, just to be a pain. We're asking to hopefully save you money on your project. Absolutely. That That's exactly the point. We can do all those things. We can, we can re recreate an entire document if need be. But it's just that it adds cost. And then from a comparison viewpoint, you have to make sure to be getting that same scope of service or spec of service from the other uh, vendors. So for glossary TM prep, I always think of TM ownership. We've talked about it multiple times in the podcast. But if you're coming over from another vendor, uh, make sure you have your translation memory um, because then that way the um, – your new provider can just pick up the ball and run with it from wherever your other vendor left off. Uh, and if you're entering into a new agreement with a new translation service provider, ask about the translation memory and whether you can have it. Very important. Um, translation and editing and even formatting, what I thought of there is uh, vendor qualifications. So I thought of 
you know, is this person using a native speaker with X amount of um, years of service or are they using Google Translate? Like what's the first step, right? So there's sort of a wide variety. And I'm not even saying that Google Translate's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. That we've done whole shows on machine translation. That's not where the point is. But are you comparing the same inputs? It's no different than, you know, if you were to, um, you know, buy, um, if you were to buy, a, a, you know, a, a piece of produce, whether you're buying it at the grocery store that handles seconds or you're buying it at, you know, directly from a farm, you know, a, a, a farm to a table vendor. So there's different levels of quality, right? So that's really the issue there. Anything else that I missed maybe on that? Patrick, about no, I think it's just that kind of brings up um, something we talk about a lot, and that's transparency. When you're getting a quote, you should really know what your what that quote is going to give you. Um, if it just says translation x amount of dollars or cents per word, here's how much it costs. That would be a red flag for me. I would think, well, who is translating it? Is this machine translation? Is it a human? What's going on with formatting, project prep, translation memory, all that kind of stuff. So. Like you think you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the devil's in the details. So really, you know, combing through that quote and understanding what you're getting is going to be extremely important. Absolutely. And the last thing I thought of was in terms of updating project uh, translation memory and glossary. And this is, this really gets in the weeds. Um, But if your vendor uses one of the more traditional systems that's server-based and you're in a production environment where you're doing a lot of projects, and especially if you're doing a lot of projects in a lot of languages, one of the questions I would ask, of course, tough, tough to validate the response, is how often do you validate, or um, I should say, how often do you update the translation memory? And this is what I mean. When a project is completed, If you're using one of those standard offline systems that's not server-based, a project manager has to sit there and manually import language by language the uh, files into the translation memory. So sometimes that task could take an hour, two hours to update the memory properly. Sometimes you get tag errors and those need to be fixed before they can be entered into the translation memory. And the difference is if you're using someone who uses a cloud-based system, that update happens in real time. And the reason that that's important is because if you have a lot of projects that you do on a very regular basis, you have a very aggressive production schedule, you want to be using the most up-to-date version of the translation memory. So that was just kind of a point I wanted to make about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think having that translation memory update in real time is one of the great advantages of using those cloud-based applications. Um, I think that really drives the power of translation memory even higher than it already is. I mean, it's to the point where, you know, and, and it's one of the things we talk about with clients is if we're doing a very large project that's a rush and it's required to use multiple linguists to achieve the goal, By using a cloud-based translation memory solution, when translator A on one side of the country inputs a sentence and translator B hits that sentence literally minutes later, they'll be reminded, hey, translator A just did this thing. Here's what they came up with. So you're getting maximum leverage out of that translation memory, which is so important for cost and consistency and 
um, pretty much everything. Trying to finish on time, very, very important. Yeah, that brings up another point to me too. Um, kind of just this whole discussion on you know why workflow is so important, why does it matter? I think it really can highlight the value or lack of value you get from your project manager or project management team as a buyer. Um, I think you know having a project manager who is looking for the best workflow, looking for the most efficient workflow the fastest timeline workflow, you know, all these things they're thinking about to meet your needs as a buyer. I think if you have a good project manager, they kind of, they know their buyer, they know what they're looking for. They know what level of service they want. So by the time they send the quote, they're not going to be like, Oh, you know, we were expecting this to be 30% cheaper. Why is it so expensive? So I think that kind of familiarity between customer and project manager just makes projects down the road get so much easier Whereas if you have a revolving door of project managers or your project management process isn't great, by the time you keep sending projects, you're going to have to basically reinvent the wheel every project. So really having that consistency and understanding from your project manager is, it's just so valuable to have, in my opinion. I, I would agree wholeheartedly, Patrick. Um, very, very important. Um, so building on that a little bit, um, Obviously, the workflow impacts quality and cost, right, from the discussion we're having. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, why that is. Obviously, it's the labor inputs. We started to talk about that a little bit in vendor selection, and it's the QA steps. For me, I guess I'm thinking, you know, the same as if I were purchasing, you know, a, a bathroom remodel. You know, what kind of materials are we using? Are we using big tiles that are easier applied than say those little antique mosaic style tiles, obviously there's a higher labor number. Or if I'm using, um, you know, if I'm using granite wall tiles versus, uh, you know, a, 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 um, an insert, right? Those PVC or plastic inserts that they put in, they're not PVC. There's some sort type of plastic. This is why I don't build houses and I stick to translation. Okay. Um, but there's a difference, right? There's a difference in the material. There's a difference in the labor that it takes to apply those materials. So, I mean, let's dig down on that a little bit, Patrick, in terms of the labor. Like any thoughts on, uh, you know, we started on vendor uh, vendor qualification and selection, but what else can you think of? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of the example you mentioned before where let's say we have a, a super duper rush project that's relatively large that one or two linguists can't handle and we have to split it up to five, you know, that's going to take a bit more work from the project manager to arrange that workflow, to split the files up in a way that's going to, you know, get everything done in a timely manner. So really kind of, you know, wrangling those five translators, having them getting started on the work and all working together is going to take more effort than if I only need to assign this project to one person. Um, so that, I mean, that can drive your timeline up. Um, but I mean, I've thought of another analogy with kind of with your, your construction or home remodel one. It's probably better than mine, I'm sure. Uh, we'll see. Um, but I mean, workflows can be, I mean, they can be anything. We like to, as project managers, obviously look for the best, most efficient and cost-effective workflow. I mean, we can do anything. It's just a matter of, you know, how much more or less you're going to have to pay. That'd be like remodeling a bathroom if the person whose bathroom is says, I want you to paint first. And the contractor goes, well, shouldn't we, you know, do the demolition, lay the tile, put everything else in, and then, you know, paint last. Cause that's really the last thing that we need to do. But if, if the person is insistent on painting first, 
I mean, you can, you're just going to have to repaint at the end. So, I mean, we run into that quite a bit where someone will send us a project and be like, oh, it's not finalized yet. Can you get started on it? We'll say, sure. But, you know, once we get that differential of new content, we're going to have to start over basically and only translate that new content. But I think that analogy of like, we can do anything. It's just a matter of understanding what the rework is going to be. Now it brings up a, a valid point because there are clients that have had some very distinct workflows. You know, they might say, hey, uh, we want to do back translation at the end. So, you know, that's the method where um, the content is translated, it's edited, it's proofread, it's considered almost final. Maybe you just don't do formatting. But then another linguist jumps in and translates it back into the source language. And then the two source languages are compared. Now, we could do a whole show on how back translation isn't necessarily the best barometer. Um, you know, we've even had folks that have used like Google Translate to translate against the document we did and say, well, it doesn't look like the source, but, you know, you're failing to understand that, you know, there's differences in the translation, right? There's differences. If you're using machine translation, you know, what are the odds that it's going to come back to the same source? It's a stylistic process. It, there's, there's stylistic differences. It's a creative process, I should say. So, um, you know, but that's added steps, that's added labor. So all those things can be done, but they have an impact. And I, I guess to me, that's like the one thing that I would really love, um, you know, people to understand is that there has to be some sort of transparency as well. So as a translation service provider, we have to provide transparency in what we're doing because again, how can you compare apples to apples? If you don't know exactly what the steps are that uh, the vendor is following for you, uh, I, I think that's really important. Yeah. And I, like we've said before, I mean, your transparency in the quote is going to be the biggest way you can tell that. Um, we like to think that we have a very transparent quote. We list out all the steps, list out all your translation memory matches. Um, but I mean, typically what we run into is if we're in a competitive situation, we'll see a price that's, you know, however many percent lower we'll say, well, are you having that translated and edited? And the customer doesn't know. So we really take that as an opportunity to you know, help them and explain to them, you know, really you need to dig into the details here where, you know, it might not just be you're getting a number back as your quote. You really need to look at the process and, you know, what what actual labor and what, like how many people are working on this and all that, those kind of details really are very important. And I think an important part of that as well is if someone gets a quote from us and they say, well, here's the steps we're following, you know, the thing you don't want to do is go to the other vendor and say, hey, I've got translation and editing and it's this cost, you know, can you beat that? Well, the fact of the matter is, is there's many ways of doing editing. Sometimes it's a project manager who does what we call a page check. Maybe they don't even speak the language. They're just doing what's called a page check, which is... um you know, old school, you'd print it, right? Nobody does that anymore. It's on the screen, but you're counting paragraphs. You're looking for, oh, there's a bolded word in this paragraph. Is there a bolded word in the translated paragraph? You know, they're basically, if there's a hyperlink here. Does that hyperlink exist? So these are like standard QA steps that are sort of irrespective of the language. But some people will call that editing. And it's neither editing nor proofreading. It's a page check. There's a huge difference. So just sort of those... Again, the devil's in the detail. So understanding that is really, really important. Um, and that's one thing that annoys the hell out of me um, about other providers is that their quote will just be a paragraph. Here's what we're going to do. And it's English into French translation of InDesign file. 
And that's it. There's like nothing else there. There's no description of the steps. There's nothing there. And it's incredibly common, including those that are publicly traded, a well over $100 million companies, $300 million companies that are uh, really propagating this lunacy. It's, it's, it's a little nuts if you ask me. Um, and I think that's really what that important point is, is that the difference in cost is due to the difference in the deliverable. It's as simple as that. What is the deliverable that you're, you're getting? And I think even when we talk about um, jobs that have a lower bar of quality, right? Even those need workflow insight. So like I'm thinking of MT, right? What, what MT engine are you using? Is it Google Translate or is it an Azure engine or is it DeepL that's been trained with the client's translation memory? How much, how much work has gone into it? Yeah, this brings me back to one of the analogies I brought up on a previous show of um, the car manufacturer that has, you know, their standard brand, their economy brand, and the luxury brand. So the one I think of all the time is is Toyota. They have Toyota, which is kind of the middle ground. They have Scion, which is kind of the starter car, which is a little cheaper. And then they have Lexus, which is the luxury brand. So like, if you go to a Scion dealership expecting a Lexus, you're going to be hard pressed to find that, but if you kind of have to know what you're going for, know what you're buying. Um, but like you said, even with the, the machine translation workflows are kind of the, the lower quality workflows. I think you still have to consider it. One thing we run into a lot is we'll get a gigantic scanned PDF and say, can you machine translate this? Well, if there's no text layer, we're going to have to convert it into something that does have a text layer. We talked about this in project prep of how to get something editable but then, I mean, it's going to take longer to prep than it might be worth a machine translation at that point, because you're going to have breaks in the middle of sentences. Your machine translation engine is going to be utterly confused with half of sentences starting at the beginning of lines. So really, your machine translation on a scanned document like that is going to be beyond bad. So I think having that workflow consideration up front is just going to save you time, money, and headaches down the road. And the last point on that is even the maintenance aspects. So just asking, well, what's going to happen when my document needs to be updated, right? So you have a new version and what is the maintenance workflow going to look like? Is there going to be translation? Are you going to apply a translation memory? How are you going to discount things? So again, that workflow comes screaming back into the picture. So, um, you know, that's, that's really an important point. I think we kind of hammered that home. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, and, today for sure. In terms of updates, too, I mean, if you're thinking, um, I think it's it's always difficult because typically the upfront cost might be a little bit higher. But I think really kind of need to take the long approach on updates. Whereas, so I mean, like we've said before, we can do anything. Let's say a customer comes with a word file, and then a year later they want us to make changes, and they've got track changes, and they're like, "Oh, just put this in the in the previously translated file." That's fine, but then you lose translation memory at that point because you're updating directly in the files. So if we follow a proper process and a proper workflow, every time we do it, it's going to bank into that translation memory. And yeah, maybe the first time you update, the cost might be a little bit higher, but updates two, three, four, five down the road all become significantly cheaper. Absolutely. No, that's 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 perfect, Patrick. Um I think it's time for us to, uh, uh, before I get more heated about this, there's time to wrap this up. Let's talk about what your biggest takeaway is. I, I have a few, but I, I 
I think I know what my number one is. You can go Hopefully first. it's not yours. I'll give me, no, you're going to make me go first? Yeah, it's going to give me some time to think about it. Okay. Well, for me, the biggest takeaway is transparency. Uh, by far. None of this works unless you know exactly what you're buying. And quite frankly, these days, I would say that's not always the case. Um, <laughs> it's going to be tough to get your vendor to provide the proper level of transparency. Um, and if you can't do that, then you can't, like none of this works. Um, so I, I would say, you know, really, really make sure that you understand the steps and tell your vendor that you want them outlined. I want to understand who's doing the work, what they're doing, so I can compare this properly. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of people might be, for some reason, averse to asking those tough questions, but I think it shows your provider that you're being serious and that you're really thinking about this kind of how they're thinking about it so everyone can be on the same page. Whereas if you just kind of don't ask those questions and go with assumptions, I think we all know the, you know, what happens when you make assumptions uh, joke is you make an ass out of you and me. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. So so I think that um, my biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, really understanding what your project manager does. Sorry, I'm going to toot my own horn here because I am a project manager, but I think the project manager or your project management team can add incredible value to your projects and really save you a lot of headaches. Um, And I think that they are typically, if not always, looking out for your best interest, how we can get it back to you faster, how we can do it in the most cost-effective way, and how we can just really make this translation project go as smoothly as possible for you whether that's working with your client reviewers with you in the loop or um, kind of just managing any processes that we can do just to make your life easier as the buyer. That's perfect. No, that's a great wrap up, Patrick. I think that's um, spot on. I mean, we didn't talk about the importance of the project manager and the person that's, you know, pulling all these strings and making these decisions. And that is very important. Um, So with that, we will wrap up this episode of Translation Confidential. Thank you for joining me, Peter Argandizo, and Patrick Daly. And until next time, this is us signing off.